Before we get started, we wanted to tell you about the First Draft Podcast with ESPN experts Mel Kuyper Jr., Todd McShay, and Phil Yates. They will be keeping tabs on the latest with the NFL Draft every Wednesday. Listen where you are listening to this podcast and also on YouTube. What up, guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of DC and RC. I'm Daniel Cormier. That's my man, Super Bowl champion, Ryan Clark. RC, it is Tuesday. We just had a massive fight card last weekend, which we'll get into. Guys, coming up on the show, we will talk about last weekend. We will also list our top five game bread moments. And then, as always, we tap in and tap out. But we get joined by my boy. The Blessed Express rolls in to DC and RC ahead of his fight this weekend against Arnold Allen. But the reason I am a bit flustered is not because of the performance of Israel Adesanya. It's because I'm almost, I, I, you don't, I don't get surprised. I am never taken aback. <laughs> Today I am taken aback by the accomplishments of my co-host. <laughs> it is 1115. Hey, we have an hour window because my boy Ryan nominated for an Emmy, <laughs> my guy. This is a massive, massive thing and a huge accomplishment in your television career. How did you feel when you first saw this? Uh, you know what? I'd put it so far out of the realm of possibility. I think I'd almost made myself not even believe it to be true. And so I'll, I'll admit, man, I, was, I felt extremely grateful, uh, really blessed. And I've always worked really hard at my second career and I wanted to do it to the best of my ability. And, you know, you, you say things like it doesn't matter if you're nominated or it doesn't matter if others acknowledge the hard work you put in, but to, you know, get that message from Seth Markman, uh, who is my boss over at ESPN. Um, it was truly a great feeling. And to also be nominated as a group for NFL live with all the hard work that all of them, put into it as well, man. It was a super cool experience for me, man, and I'm really grateful. You know, it's uh, it. From, I'm telling you, let me tell you something. You know when you got a friend, when the moment they got it, they just, so I was taking a nap whenever I first woke up. I saw the text messages in our group. I immediately start posting. Hey, I got posts on Instagram. <laughs> I got posts on Twitter. I got posts on Facebook. Hey. That's when you know you got a friend. When your friend starts, like, loving your accomplishments hey. that much, bro, I ain't gonna lie. I'm proud of you, man. I'm proud of you because, honestly, RC, it don't really happen. Like, it, you don't, it don't really happen as often as you yeah. think for someone that deserves it. On the night of DeMar Hamlin's incident, I could feel that you were actually doing something very special, man, my you, brother. Bro. So this is well-deserved. It is warranted, and you deserve to uh, stand amongst some of the greatest sportscasters in the world. Man, Congratulations. That, mean, that, mean, that means a lot to me, bro. That means a lot to me, man. Let's, let's, talk, about, let's talk about this fight, uh, which made your nephew, all right, because we knew. You remember when Jordan uh, posted, <laughs> when the fight was made, yeah, turned him into a tripping, wrestler. <laughs> and so you're sitting there, D, uh, DC. You're in the 305. We just watched Jorge Masvidal retire, you know, take his gloves, his gloves off in the middle of the octagon. We're almost through round two. Israel Adesanya is backed up against the cage. There's a knee that lands. There's some body blows. And then all of a sudden, it's the one-two that changed everything in the middleweight division. What's your first thought at that exact moment? 
you you ever see like when when somebody gets hurt, they throw their hands up like stop it, just stop it. Bro, my my reaction normally is like, oh my God. But this time I was like, I couldn't, I was almost in shock because the dude got hit, right? And he buckles him. But then Izzy hit him again. Yep. And when Izzy hit him again and he went stiff, I couldn't believe it. Look at me looking at it like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm looking at it like everybody look at look at Annex face. I'm like, get my hands up. Somebody get in there and stop the fight. You can see Joe looking like that. Annex looks concerned. And then I look scared because Izzy done jumped on top of him with a hammer fist afterwards. Bro, it was it was a scary, it was a scary knockout because Ed Asanya got him good. And if you've lost to someone three times and you finally get a victory, there is nothing sweeter than getting it in that fashion he said you know he heard him before many times he heard him he never could really get him this time he got him and he got him good I talked to Izzy Ryan last week I said I said champ I said what is it about this guy I said you seem confident where do you get the confidence he goes DC I get the confidence in being in there with him and knowing that I've I've always kind of got him I just haven't been able to put him away he goes but this time I'm not letting him off the hook he got him again, just like he did in the first MMA fight, just like he got in all the kickboxing fights. This time, though, he was able to shut the door. DC, you know what struck me as Israel Adesanya was walking to the cage was his intensity. As he's walking toward the octagon, like I, I you, you usually see him very calm or you see him have this sort of really relaxed swag. There was a different level of intensity in Israel Adesanya. And even when he was in the octagon before the fight, I could see it. There, there, there was a hypeness. He wasn't trying to play to the crowd and be the coolest dude in the arena, the coolest dude in the room. It seemed like it, it meant more to him this time. This is only the second occasion where I feel like Izzy went to a dark place. The first for me was the fifth round of the Kelvin Gastelum fight. I felt like he went to a different place, a place where the mere mortals don't go. And I saw the same thing against Alex Pereira in this fight. And the thing that struck me was in watching it, it wasn't going past three rounds either way. He seemed to understand the level of intensity, the sense of urgency he needed to have. He was already taking those calf kicks and he continued to stay on the attack. He didn't back up. He didn't lean against the cage. And it went just when it seemed that he was hurt, he struck with those with that that one-two, and then he followed it up and finished with the hammer fist. It was very reminiscent of the right hand that stunned Alex at the end of round one in their first fight. DC, when you are a fighter who has lost to someone else the way that Izzy has lost to Alex. And then you're coming into that last fight. The level of confidence that he showed, how does he or how does the fighter get themselves to that point to believe that they can win? Well, I think I think what happens is you when you lose to someone, you're more motivated to work harder. So you're always going to be more prepared. But I think for Edesanya, the reason he was able to fight in the way that he did, the reason he was able to walk to the octagon in the way that he did, as you see, like, the same exact right hand landed on Pajeda in the first fight in the end of the first round. The reason he was able to do all that, because he was gracious, bro. 
I've never seen anybody handle losing their championship with more class, with more grace, with more dignity. When he lost to Alex in Madison Square Garden, and they went to the back, and he's with Kai Car France and all of his teammates, and he's like taking a bow, like, this is martial arts. This is war. He's like, I love you guys. Thank no tears, no sadness, no excuses, nothing. He literally said, he got me. I will get back and get to the next one. I have never seen anyone do that. But because he did that, he was clear-minded in the mission. He wasn't uh, lying to himself saying, well, this is what happened. I only lost because he caught me. He never said that. He just said, I've got to do better. I got to be locked in for 25 minutes if I'm going to beat this guy. I've got to finish him if I get him hurt again. It's exactly what he did. So because he had such a clear mind in his approach, a, a great understanding of the mission ahead of him, dude, he walked out there like he was so confident. No dancing. Yeah. No theatrics. Yeah. Just Israel Adesanya going to the octagon to fight and reclaim his championship. His energy was different all week. The only thing he had was that chain around his neck like – he was like, I'm a dog. Yeah. He's like, and that dog's getting let off the leash. And that allowed for him to be who he was this weekend, bro. And shows once again why he's one of the greatest middleweights of all time. If not be great. the greatest middleweight of all you time. You know, you mentioned how gracious he was in the loss to Alex Pereira in the first fight that they had at UFC. And huh. I feel like a little bit of no, that dude. was him understanding you can't behave in a certain way when you've lost to a guy, not only losing your belt, but losing to him a third round. But he wasn't necessarily so gracious <laughs> in victory. There's a little Whoa. sound from Izzy after this fight. I'm petty, bro. I remember. So the first time he knocked me out in Brazil, um, his son came into the ring and then started to just lie dead next to me. And I'm like, you little ass. I'll whoop your ass if your dad don't do it for you. But then, um, yeah, I looked for his kid and I, I pointed at him and I saw him and I was like, hey, hey, hey. Just to remind him. <laughs> Bro, that's crazy to me. And it's not it's not the fact that he did it, right? Because he remembered. But it's to kind of, or it's to speak that way about Alexis' child after it's a the fight. It's a 12-year-old. And so to me... To me, that crosses that crosses a line where I think things can get ugly, you know, and it almost it doesn't taint the win. It doesn't because UFC and mixed martial arts is when what Izzy said, it is a war, right? It's two men that get locked inside the octagon to fight one another, to hurt one another, to injure one another, to beat one another. And so I get that. But that's a little far for me but even in saying that it shows that as gracious as he was dc all of that junk mattered every single moment of the journey to winning the 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 the, the fourth fight mattered to israel adesanya he thought about it all it was part of his preparation it was part of him saying to joe yeah. rogan afterwards i didn't show you the highlights i showed you the work it's part of the fact a part of him dancing after the fight this weighed on him for someone who was as skilled and as great at their job as israel adesanya to have a dude that no matter what if he was going to go to the Hall of Fame, which he is, if he was going to be considered one of the best middleweights of all the time, of all time, which he is, it was always going to be said. But he couldn't beat that dude 
when you look at this accomplishment, where does this put Israel Adesanya as it stacks up to some of the goats in the UFC? No, no, it, it really does. But to your point prior with the, the instance with the kid, Alex said that after he knocked him out of UFC 281, his son wanted to do the same thing he told him not to. He said that, he said Izzy's comparing the kid, or he's acting and responding to a kid that did that to him seven years ago. So he was essentially doing it to a five-year-old kid. So he said, I wouldn't have done the same. He goes, but I'm petty also. I, I, had talked to, I asked Izzy about that too. I go, Izzy, do you think it's as simple as that guy saw you make that quote about him being a guy in a bar that could always go, I used to beat him. You think he really came to that? Izzy goes, I'm petty also. And if I saw that, I would have came to fight to try to get to that guy. So he recognizes who he is. And, dude, he is not apologetic about it at all. He will not apologize for his behaviors. You remember all the things he used to say about Jones? He doesn't apologize for being Israel Adesanya. So he said the kid got what he deserved. I, I probably wouldn't have done it myself. Like he said, Alex doesn't seem to take too much offense to it. So we'll see what happens. But in terms of Izzy's accomplishment, I think – it, it it puts him right back where he belongs because here's the deal, RC. No one's won the belt back at middleweight if they've lost it. It just doesn't happen. He, he's the first two-time middleweight champion of all time. So this is a guy that, you know, did something that's very rare. There's a stat somewhere that, that's probably like number four out of like 30 fighters that have tried to regain a championship after losing the championship. So it doesn't happen very frequently. So for Edisonia to do what he did, win in that way, it just really reinstates him in a place where so many feels he always should be. And I have gotten so many text messages since Saturday night with people making this claim right here, Ryan. The UFC's better when Israel Edisonia is the champion. That's what people say. They're just like, it's better when you have a champion like Izzy that has it and he draws people in and he is a guy that looks like a champ. There's like so many times I've gotten people saying stuff like, hey, look, you got Joe Burrow, you got Justin Jefferson, you got Odell Beckham. Everybody's going crazy because this dude just won the fight. I mean, he's a star, man, and people love Israel Adesanya. And I think that that thought is shared by a lot of people around the world. Yeah, it's extremely hard in MMA to become this level of star, um, as, as great as you were, as great as John Jones is, even guys like Alexander Volkanovsky, just to get to a point to where you're globally accepted as a superstar is very difficult. And he's done that, and he's done that by being himself. You know, having guys like Sean Strickland call him goofy or people laughing at the frozen, you know, the the, the frozen comment all of those different things is who he is the the dancing the pearls the anime and by being himself he's done something in a way that no other to me no other fighter has done the Odell Beckham Jr. or let's just say it LSU's starting offense is it there to see Alex or Alex Pajeda they're there to see Israel Adesanya, but speaking of him being the champ again and what that means to the middleweight division, when you look at matchups that could be on the horizon 
for Israel Adesanya, what's the next step for him in this journey to continue to be the middleweight king? You know, RC, Hamza Chemaev said, congratulations, I'll see you soon. And Hamza Chemaev would be a warranted challenger because he's exciting, he's new, and he's very dangerous for Adesanya. But honestly, RC, I think we just run it back. I, I think we just run it back because no matter how you look at it, Izzy's either one and three against Alex Pajeda or they're one and one. And I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that if Alex Pajeda had uh, won the belt, lost the belt, because like Juliana Pena, I didn't think Juliana Pena should have gotten an immediate rematch initially. She got mad at me for it. She's getting another fight against Amanda Nunes. I have no problem with it. But part of the reason she's getting that fight is because there just aren't many other people to fight Amanda right now. And I think Izzy is in the same exact situation. Look at the top five of the division. It's Alex, who he's one and one with. He's two up on Robert Whitaker. He's two up on Vittori. He's one up on Cannoneer. He's one up on Costa. The, the, the worst thing about Cannoneer and Costa is those are fights that we do not want to see right. again. He beat Paulo Costa in like a minute, and him and Jared Cannoneer was just not a very fun fight. They don't have styles that will allow for them to have a very fun fight inside the octagon. And Drakas Duplessis is not ready to fight him yet. You cannot take a guy like Drakas Duplessis, who I love, who's a great fighter, who's young in the game, but you can't put him on that stage yet with Israel Adesanya because he doesn't belong mm -hmm. on that stage with Israel Adesanya. You got to get you got to get the you earn the right to stand across the octagon from a guy like Izzy. Drakus has done that in his victories to this point, but he hasn't gotten that 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 star level yet to get that chance. So I think he'll need one more big win in order to get that opportunity. So in the meantime, I believe you're running back. I think you do Edisonia versus Pajeda again. <laughs> hey, and I know Izzy almost is trying to Izzy almost trying to encourage that dude to go hey, up. Izzy's like, not... yeah, y'all need to take him at 205. Hey, straight up. <laughs> hey, Izzy say, hey, you go up there to 205. I know dude is a problem, but I ain't messing with him no more at 185. And I just think when you look at the fights that they've had, especially the two that we got an opportunity to see in the UFC. Alex, I mean, Alex Paeda is just a problem. How strong he is. The fact that he's as long as Israel Adesanya, the hype, the, the, leg, the leg kicks. There's so much that he can do that could cause problem. It's going to be a for Izzy no matter when it happens. And so he's regained his championship. And I truly think for Izzy, the immediate rematch was just about taking that next shot at Alex and having an opportunity to run it back right now. And I don't believe he believes that, I don't think that he believes Alex has done enough to warrant him a an immediate rematch in the UFC. And it would only be given to him because of the history that they've shared. But but RC like, but who, who's he gonna fight really? Like I'm I'm just looking at the landscape of the division because he's been so great. There really just isn't anyone. And no matter what you say, right? First round very competitive. Yeah. Second round, Alex Pajeda was winning. It looked like he was hurting Izzy very badly with the leg kicks. It looked like Izzy was having trouble standing when he was going towards the side of the octagon. So. I think that I would like to see those guys fight again 
it did not feel like Izzy wanted it much on Saturday night, and it really didn't seem like Dana had that much interest in it at the end of the fight. But I believe that it sells, right? You had an $11 million gate in New York City for those two. You had an $11.5 million gate in Miami for those two. It sells. The pay-per-view numbers are great. It's just a, a business that can work. And as you know, the UFC is always about doing good business. And Israel Adesanya is good for business. And uh, Miami is good for business. Like Dana came out and said, it's, it's a city that is on fire right now. And it's a city that the UFC intends to go back to very, very soon. But I love the fact that Israel Adesanya got the job done. He got it done in another major market. And once again, he just kind of encaptures fans and make them feel like they're a part of something special. This dude has it, man. I said this a long time ago, RC. My last point on this, I said, Israel Adesanya is a guy that makes people come together. He's a guy that you tell your friend, that dude's fighting. If you don't know him the first time, by the next time you're like, I got to come to your fight for the Adesanya fight. I come to your house for the Adesanya fight. And then you tell somebody else. And then everybody just comes together for Israel Adesanya. He's an absolute star, man. And you saw that dude in Miami partying. He looked like he fit in. What about your boy Kamaru Usman's outfit, though? Hey, Did you hey. love it? With the suspenders? You hey, like Kamaru, it, he FaceTimed me Sunday, and we were talking about it. I told him he was clean, man. <laughs> I told him, I said, okay, I see you stepping it up. So I got to make sure every time or the next time I'm at the fight, I bring me a Kamaru Usman type outfit in case I get on camera. <laughs> but you keep talking about the yeah. 305 and the way that Israel Adesanya was uh, had the capabilities or the ability to bring people out to see him fight. Talked about how huge the gate was. Another large part of that was Jorge Masvidal and what turned out to be his retirement fight. Uh, obviously, after losing to Gilbert Burns in very obvious fashion after the fight saying he felt like he had done enough felt he could do all that he could do and if he couldn't compete at a high level he wasn't going to continue doing it uh going forward what was the atmosphere like when Jorge Masvidal announced to his hometown of Miami that he'd no longer be competing in the UFC uh it was it was it was fun you could feel the appreciation but, R.C., when that Scarface music hit the speakers, that place went crazy, bro. They knew their guy was coming. This guy was born there. This guy was raised there. This guy is Miami. You look at him, he's a he's a Latino. You know, he's a Cuban, got the long hair. He's a guy that is so, he's like so connected to that town and that city. I don't know if I felt it more than George St. Pierre when I went to Montreal to watch him fight Josh Koscheck. That's how closely tied to the city that Gamebred is. It was, a, it was a massive moment for him, and it was really fun to see a guy get an opportunity to go out in the way that you kind of expect from him, but do it in front of a place that he's universally loved. There were no boos. There were no people sitting down. There was no disappointment in Gamebred. They all appreciated what he had done, even though they may have recognized that what he had done was gonna was what it was gonna be expected. It's not like they 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 were hopeful that he could try to right. win, but it wasn't like they were surprised when it didn't happen because Gilbert Burns is the better fighter than Game Brand Jorge Masvidal. DC, but just to see him get that much adulation, 
Tremendous. DC, I have I have a, a question. When you look at boxing, there is no way a boxer with a comparable resume to Jorge Masvidal yeah. could be so beloved not only by their hometown but by UFC fans in general, by the executives of the UFC, respected by the other fighters and the peers that he sees each time he steps into the octagon. How, how would you put into words what Jorge Masvidal was able to build as a brand when you can pretty much call him a journeyman or middle-of-the-pack yeah. fighter for most of his career? You know, you know, Ryan, when you when you say that or when we say that, it's not to disrespect no. Gabriel Jorge Masvidal. It, it's it's just the truth, right? You lose 17 times, you are considered that. But he had a year, man. He had a year that would never be replicated. He had a year that allowed for him to go to heights that he never thought he could go to. Gamebred could never have imagined that his career would be this, right? He, in 2019, he goes and beats Darren Till. Even after he beats Darren Till, Ryan, nothing changes. Nobody's higher on Jorge Masvidal. Nobody's like, it, they still like him because he's fun, but nobody's, I watched him lose to Ally Aquinta, and nobody cared. I don't, or maybe he beat Ally Quentin. They, they kind of gave him the decision. I'm not as sure. But nobody cared. He beats Darren Till. Nothing changes. But then he knocks out Ben Askren mm-hmm. in five seconds. And everybody go, wow, that was awesome. This guy has something. Then you match him up with Nate Diaz, right. another guy who has a lot of losses. Favorable style matchup for him, and bang, now you got a star. Now all you got to wait for is the stars to align for him in order for him to get opportunity. He gets, you put that BMF title on him. It's fun. Diaz called him out in, in Anaheim that year, and you, you you were off to the races. And then Gilbert Burns gets hurt. Dude jumps on the PJ, stops for pizza, makes the weight. Now you got a title challenger. And it was just everything fell into place for him at the absolute perfect time to where he became a star. But no, you don't get that in boxing. You don't get a guy with 17 losses at the top of the card. You don't get that anywhere else. Bro, he had a he had a storyline. Yeah. Like WWE. It was like a WWE storyline where you build a guy to the peak and you put him in there. And then after a while, the truth will show itself, right? And as the truth starts to show itself, he ended up losing four fights in a row to end his career because that's who he right. is. No disrespect, but that's who he is. He's a guy that doesn't beat the best guys in the world. But hats off to him for building something, Ryan, that has made him uh, get to a place where this dude's got like four organizations. He's got a boxing organization. He's paying real money. He paid like Roy Jones him $700,000. Like, (laughs) he's doing really, really good. He should be proud of himself. Yeah, and I think that's the the story of Jorge Masvidal. He was able to build a brand that's going to allow him to live and have a career post-fighting, post-octagon, which is extremely difficult for a ton of MMA fighters or a ton of UFC fighters, especially those who don't become champions. But you kind of mentioned the year he had. And so we decided to do kind of a top three, or not kind of, a top three Jorge Masvidal moments. And I'm going to start at number three, 
And I'm going to say it's the BMF against Nathan Diaz. And to me, it's because he was able to get himself there. Nate Diaz and Nick Diaz, they had kind of this cult following that they had built over time, over years. It seemed like Jorge Masvidal got there like this. And when he got there, he goes out, the rock is there, and it's this huge promotion. They're headlining, and he wins the fight. He dominates Nate Diaz. And so to me, that's the number three moment. At number two, I know this has zero to do with what happened inside the octagon, but it's three-piecing Leon Edwards. And a lot of people are going to say, hey, do it when the bell rings. Well, hell, you ain't got to do it then if you do it in the streets (laughs) or you do it in the tunnel. That's a win. You know, especially that's a win for the way Jorge Masvidal lives. And at number one, I think this is easy. And if yours is different, then you're not even working and trying to do this list (laughs) in a fair, unbiased manner. But it's the knee on Ben Askren. Yeah. You know, it was was probably not the greatest matchup for him because it was going to be a grappling and a wrestling match if Ben had his way, but to practice that move and to practice that skill before you even get inside the octagon and then execute it perfectly, the timing, and then even the finish to get down on the mat and taunt Ben Askren as he's sleep, like not just a little sleep, I mean just out. It was one of those Jorge Masvidal moments where you realized, yeah, he might not necessarily be the best mixed martial artist, but he for real life is a bad dude. And sometimes that can carry you just as far. What's something that works so well that it's basically magic, air conditioning, noise canceling headphones, meeting free Fridays. Well, what about selling with Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch at your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million order stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autograph apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling. Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort. Thanks to Shopify magic, your AI powered all-star Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U S and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dcrc. All lowercase, go to shopify.com slash DCRC now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash DCRC. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. 
Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, it can carry you just as far. And in, in RC, uh, a lot of these moments will fall into that year, right? Because all those years prior, Game Brand was always fun. He was always a great fighter, but it didn't have many things that just jumped off the page as much as they do. For me, I'm going to go Darren Till knockout mm. because I think. That was the start of something big for Masvidal. And it was the way that he changed his stance and he switched his stance and he got him with the hook in the right hand that puts him out. It was tremendous, especially considering he was gone for more than a year from the octagon before he got into that fight with Darren Till. He went over there across the pond, was supposed to lose. He knocked out Darren Till. It was a phenomenal moment for George Masvidal. Number two would be easy, right? The, the three-piece of the soda, that's fun too. But for me, honestly, it's him taking that late-notice fight against Kamaru oh, wow. Usman. But not only taking that fight on late notice, but taking that fight on late notice, flying over there, lasting five rounds right. with no training camp, cut all that weight, Made the weight, started off really good. Many people thought he took the first round off of Usman at a time when people weren't taking rounds off of Kamaru Usman. That and that only, Ryan, is why he got the rematch. Yeah. Because they thought to themselves, wow, maybe if he had time to train, he could actually compete against Kamaru Usman, who was the pom pom number one fighter in the world. It's a week's notice. Yeah, you're right. When he took that fight, made the weight and went to Abu Dhabi and fought for 25 minutes. And at number one, I think that spoke to who he is as a fighter. At number one, I got the Ben Askren knee, just like you. Uh, it was... DC, did, bro, you, Ben's my DC, boy, did you use Olympic four? TV. Or is that three? I used three. So I used three, but I said it would have been easy to do the three-piece in the soda. Ah, but I mine, mine is... <laughs> yeah, I, you know, so you, you're so used to me cheating. I can't cheat an every-nominated guy, though. I'm, I'm done with that. So, like, I'm so used to... I said it would be it would be good to pick that one because it's great, but I like the fact in the story of him taking that fight on short notice. And it was the flying knee against Ben Askren. Bro, he knew Ben was going to wrestle because that's all Ben ever did was wrestle. Yeah. Ben didn't even hide 
what he was trying to do. Ben was going to try to take you down. He was going to try to grind you out. The fights weren't going to be fun, but he was going to wear you down over the course of time and beat you. It was a nightmare matchup for Jorge Masvidal, and he didn't just win. He knocked him out in five seconds. Then he dropped on the ground with him, acted like he was knocked out. Then he was like, but you could see in Game Red, Ryan, that he didn't have to hit Ben again. It was yeah. over. But he wanted to because Askren talked so much to him. He had annoyed him so greatly that he wanted to hurt him. And that's exactly what he did. So that's my number one moment. That moment earned him a BMF championship and two UFC title fights. That's, that is the moment that we will always remember in Game Bread Masvidal's career. You know what, DC? First off, let me start this statement off by saying this. I know all of you that fight in the UFC will be willing to have a street fight. You dudes are not yes. scared to throw hands in any place. But I will also say this. Not to. There are some of you who actually think about consequence and think about repercussions or things that you shouldn't do. <laughs> the feeling I always got from Jorge Masvidal, which I don't know if at a, as a 43-year-old man I should respect so much, but I think you know how we are, man, growing up in the boot. Like sometimes you just threw hands and it was what you did. Yeah. I yeah. always felt like Our at any point this dude is ready. That he isn't ducking any smoke. And to me, yeah. that was something I respected about him. That it didn't matter that if yeah. inside the octagon you could hold me against the cage or that Kamaru Usman knocked me out. I felt like no matter what, he would always be game. And that's why you had to call him game bread because that was the way he was born, raised, and lived in Miami. And so all respect to Jorge Masvidal. Thank you for some of those moments you've given us, especially in recent years in the UFC. And, man, enjoy your retirement. I pray and hope that all of the things that happen in your career going forward make you and your family happy. You know, it's, it's, it's good. You know, he was always down to do it. But up until he hit Leon Edwards in the back, I was like, oh, we got another one of those guys that always get into almost fights. Because, you know, some of them <laughs> dudes get into a whole bunch of almost fights, but they never really get into right. fights. I see a lot. Of, I'm like, well, how do y'all get into so many almost fights? <laughs> I've never in my life had so many almost fights. Because when I, was a, when I was growing up and I was younger, and if somebody got into an almost fight, I would try to hit them, right? So, like with John Jones, I couldn't hit him. So I threw my shoe at him. Or when he got into my face, I pushed him. And then he hit me. Like, me and John Jones didn't get into an almost fight. We got into an actual fight. So up until he punched Leon Edwards, I was like, man, these dudes done mastered the art of getting into almost fights. Last week, he got into another one of almost fight with Kevin Holland. It's like some people just get into a lot Kevin of get, almost Kevin fights. Kevin gets into a lot of almost fights, too, at events. Kevin being a whole bunch <laughs> of almost fights without actually getting into fights. <laughs> They almost got to fight with Black Panther. Remember, yeah. they almost got to fight with the cast of Black Panther, man. Them dudes be getting some almost fights, man. DC, I know you never got into almost fights. I got into a lot of those because I played football, and we were not trying to throw hands <laughs> with helmets and shoulder pads on. But speaking of things that almost happened, we had some folks that was almost fly for UFC 287 and some that made it all the way to step and fly. 
we're going to start with Gilbert Burns. He got the overalls on, but what I was really impressed by is Gilbert Burns' hair. Like, this low Bruno Mars afro that he's doing is working for me, DC. What do you think of the overalls look? But most of all, what do you think of the lettuce? I like the hair. I like the hair of Gilbert Burns. I mean, Gilbert Burns has changed up the style, right? For a while, he was like young Gilbert Burns, had a short haircut. Then it started to grow a little bit, got a little curly. I mean, I didn't I didn't really understand the overalls. Like, I'm not a fashion guy. I didn't know what he was going for. But if you think it worked, I guess it worked, right? So hats off to Gilbert Burns. Don't wear a hat. Yo, yo the best thing about him is he also has his kids' yeah. hair look just like this. But, RC, talk about Ooh, this one. That hey, purple Alex joint Pereira? for the champ, a former champ. <laughs> Hey, and that's like a that's like a little pomegranate that he wore to the joint. Izzy came out there. Mm. Izzy wasn't ready for this outfit. When you look at this dude, one, he's ultimately scary, but he looks like a character off of John Wick right now. And I stinking love it, yeah. DC. I like it, RC. I like the outfit. Dude was fresh. He was fresh all week, but they come fight night. That's when you gotta go. Look, Izzy with the nice. Uh, silk look like a silk joint with all the necklaces. You know, Izzy always got his pearls hey. on. Izzy looking good as he always does on. And fight that boy night. clean. He coming in there like Crockett and Tubbs off of Miami Vice. You see, he got the. <laughs> you see, he got the joint open. He ready to go. Now we're gonna go back to this Rosas Junior. Now this is right here. This is what you wear when you go into your last senior dance. He got the. She got the shirt open. <laughs> he got the white jeans on. You know what I mean? He coming real high school fly right now. And the G Nikes. What you think yeah. about this, DC? Yeah, I think I think he looked pretty cool, right? He looks like a young kid that said, "You know what, man? It's my time to look good out here. I'm in Miami, so I can wear white pants." He look. He look. He look nice. Raul Rosas Jr. He did a good job on his uh his fight night outfit. It's not something. That so it's like levels, right? So you got levels he's, of he's dress, young. right? Kamar Usman's Kamar Usman's always dressed a certain way. Izzy's always dressed a certain way, bro. They didn't show Alex Pajeda's suit on fight night. Yeah, all that black. Dude had the all black joint yeah. on, like dude. They dress a certain way, right? Raul Rosas Jr. is at a point in his career right now where he's just getting started. He's like, hey man, I'm on pay per view now. Let me throw this on. I feel like it looked good. I thought it was nice. Did a good DC, job. let's talk about your outfit though, bro. What yeah, is this? That. Boy, you look like Pikey. Oh. <laughs> I told you about, hey, hey I told you about tough. hitting them curves. You're going to spill this jack on my $200 suit. <laughs> hey. I see you, DC. Hey, bro. hey, hey. Now, you see me out there? Hey, I look like that boy Randy Watson off Coming to America. <laughs> bro, you saw it? Hey, bro, I had that, I had that, that, I had that wig on. Bro, if you put the first one up, it had a mullet in the back, bro. Bro, what are you doing? It was doing? so fire. Dog, we were on the weigh-in show. We were on the weigh-in show. We had the we were doing the Miami Vice look. Me and Chris, look, look, look in the back, bro. That thing got a mullet, that looks man. A mess, DC. You, hey, <laughs> you look like Randy Watson. Sexual chocolate, Randy Watson. Hey. That boy can sing. Hey, that boy can sing. Hey. Oh my God, nah, that boy Randy good Watson. and terrible. DC, stop letting these <laughs> people good, do this man. to you, DC. You do not, oh, you do wait, not wait, have wait. to okay. allow okay. them okay. to make you do this stuff. You are a UFC Hall I mean, of Famer, look but look at this right here. Look Happy this. Easter look, I mean, to yeah. RC. <laughs> DC, that boy clean, DC. DC, you can see. What is it. that panel? Man. Look at that panel. Look at that, DC. Is that green and blue inside yes, that? Yes, man. Look at that. Is that DC. like a blue inside the you green stripe? You see it, DC. Oh, that's a bad. That's a bad one right there, RC. I ain't gonna lie. Hey, that's a bad one now. 
Hey, that's a bad I'm one. I'm just huh? saying. DC, it was Easter. You know how we do down here in that's Louisiana for Easter. So I had to give people my best Easter fit. You know, people don't go to church all year, but they're going to go on Easter and Christmas. So you got to make sure you're clean. Well, you did not show up to church dressed like that. You went to church dressed like that? <laughs> no, I didn't go there. You just showing off. I didn't. If you went to church dressed like that, you just showing off. I swear hey, to God, if you went to DC, church dressed you know like that, boy, you must have hey, pissed everybody off. DC, you know church now is come as you are, man. They just want you to get there. You ain't got to be dressed up. It ain't the old days no more. That's why I hope you did not go See, dressed like that, boy. Everybody would have been mad in my church. <laughs> everybody would have been mad in my church. You come dressed like that. He just showing off. You know, like, hey, in a black church, you show up looking that good. Everybody talking about he just showing off that he got money. Everybody in there hating the whole time, though, because you look like you dressed nice. Hey, you better put money in that collection plate. I know that. What? Absolutely. Guys, let me tell you somebody that's trying to put some money in the bank. It's Max Holloway. He fights Arnold Allen this weekend, and this is one that he's got to have. So now we're about to go one round with the Blessed Express on DC and RC. We are now joined by my best friend <laughs> in the entire world, Max Bless Holloway. No, no, Max. How you oh, doing, man. my guy? How you doing, nah, Max? I've been good, man. This guy's the worst, I see. I don't know how you can do a show with him every week. <laughs> hey, Max, and don't fall for it either, bro. He's just trying to butter you up so when you get comfortable, he can just stab you with the knife, man, and be say, say no. something disrespectful. So don't let him butter you up. No, I know, I know, bro. I know, I know this guy for a long time now. I know, I know him when he's a, a little less heavier too. So, we, we, it's been a while. <laughs> oh, oh, see, the disrespect, the disrespect needs to stop, bro. Y'all come up here, you and Ryan disrespecting me. So now you in the opening of the show every week. I see you and Ryan laughing at me <laughs> for some reason. Like I deserve this. I don't deserve this, man. Max, it's fight week again, champ. You're in Kansas City. You're taking on Arnold Allen this weekend. How you how you doing? How you feeling? How was training camp? How'd everything go in preparation for this? I feel good. I feel great, man. Uh preparation was awesome. We felt awesome. We got here early. We I found out, I figured out that uh Casey is actually actually great eating places here. So I'm kinda bummed that uh mm-hmm. we gotta wait till Sunday to eat. But uh watching all my uh my coaches them eat barbecue and stuff is it's kinda making me jealous. <laughs> hey Max, the barbecue is great in KC. I'm going to partake in a little bit of it when I head to the draft uh, this year. You know, you took a little break after fighting Alexander Volkanovski for the third time, and, and what was a great trilogy between you guys. What was kind of your focus during that time off before starting to prepare for Arnold Allen? I was just uh taking care of little injuries we had little injuries that, that kept nagging i had a, i had a, a bunch of time now to approach it and really get get good and uh and rest up and we're here you know we're here now and uh, i can't wait max is this the, the fight that you expected a guy like arnold allen who uh just beat calvin cater in a fight that we didn't really get to see all of his skill because cater blew out his knee but like did you expect to see a guy like this uh a young up-and-coming guy trying to challenge you? You've been at the top of the division for so long. Uh, yeah, for sure, you know. I mean, um, he's undefeated in the UFC. Uh, I'm right there, you know. I know I know, I know if he if ain't first, you're last. So I'm not really looking at – I'm not really looking at my the number next to my name. I think it's, uh, it's kind of crazy. But um, at the end of the day, you know, uh, whoever it was, whoever it was, you know, I was, we was ready. 
we we wanted to get after it. I wanted to fight. What I gonna do? Sit sit on the sideline forever? You know, I'm here. If you want to be the best, you gotta beat the best, and the best is blessed. Man, and and I, we really feel that way about you as well. When you look past or you you get outside of your fights with Volkanovski and you think about Yair Rodriguez uh, on a fight night, you go back to Calvin Cater and now Arnold Allen, you've seemed to dominate against opponents like this and also in opportunities like this. What are some of the what are some of the problems when you look at a young guy like Arnold Allen that he could cause for you that you are preparing for this weekend? I mean, there's a lot, you know. Honor Island is athletic. I mean, like I said, he, he, he's been around. with the, He got a 10-fight 10, 10 win streak, but he don't really got too much tape on him out here. Uh, I mean, the mm-hmm. only problem is that you can just search up my name and there's the what what people breaking down fights for you and everything. So we'll see what happens, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I just can't yeah. wait. I can't wait to go out there and uh, put on a show, man. We're on, a, we're on cable TV again. The last time I was on cable TV... I had a hell of a fight. You know, I got to talk to my man, DC, and my man, DC, is back there uh, calling it ringside, so we <laughs> might actually have another conversation when I'm in there. Hey, bro, last time you fought against Jair Rodriguez, they said I was so biased towards you that they blocked me off of the broadcast, which was not true for that, man. I'm just trying – I want to put this out there, like – I just wasn't scheduled to work that weekend. It's not like because Max, oh, Max is fighting DC, he has to sit on the sideline. I can do my job <laughs> fairly, or at least I try to the best of my ability. Max, when you look at where you are in your career right now and you beat Arnold Allen, once again, you'll be on the short list of guys that can contend for the championship. But with the fact that you've lost to Volkanovski those times, do you feel like Yair needs to win this fight mm. in order for you to make your way back to a championship? Uh, we see what happens, you know. At the end of the day, I really want that fourth. I really want that fourth, man. It is what it is. But we see what happens. Do I think so? He needs to win? Uh, absolutely not, man. We we live in a world where MMA is just wild, bro. Who taught Conor McGregor to ever fight Floyd Mayweather? You know what I mean? Uh, and and it just and the list goes on about wild fights, weird fights that MMA happen. You know, one day Dana White might be saying, yeah, there's no way we're making this fight then. After this fight, he's, he goes on and say, yeah, we're, this is the next fight. So we'll see what happens. Max, as someone who is a, as accomplished as you are inside of the octagon and having kind of those championship matches uh, of the past, what are you still fighting to prove? What is still getting Max Blessed Holloway up and excited every morning to train? Uh, my family, my family, my things I want, uh, uh, legend, legendary status, man, legendary status. I, I mean, Jose Aldo, I, I still believe he's the featherweight GOAT. Um, you know, he has all the title, uh, the title record. So that, that there it is, you know, then there's a guy like Alex in front of me, you know, he motivates me. And then there's other guys at fight nights that, that, that happen, you know, just like this other fight, you know, Izzy going out there doing his thing this past weekend was, uh. It was great to see. So there's a lot of things that motivate me, man. You know, uh, and I just want to be the best, man. I want to be the best there ever was, there ever will be. And um, we got we got a long way well to do it. You know, a lot of guys talk to me, uh, treat me like a veteran, like I'm I'm this super old guy or something. Bro, I'm only 31. I turned 32 at the end of the year. So mm. we we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
You think the reason they treat you like that is because you won so yeah. much for so long. But hey, bro, listen. When you start saying stuff like, I just want to be the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. No, you got to, like, at least give Bret Hart credit for saying that because you can't just kill a man's stuff. You can't just kill a man's stuff like it's hey, yours, you Max. big wrestling fan. No, no, no. Max, you can't just steal a man's stuff like it's yours, dog. Brother, the big merger happened, so we can steal whatever we want now. I got to make, You might see this weekend, you might see one get hit, somebody get hit in the head with a chair or something. Who knows? <laughs> this guy's crazy. Champ, before I let you go, the other day, Brett Okamoto asked you a question. Do you still think you're better than Alexander Volkanovsky? And I know you and your oh, facial yeah. expression change. Like, you were almost, like, dumbfounded. Like, how could anyone believe that I would think any different? Oh, you yeah. keep maintaining that. And I know as an athlete myself how you do it. But for the people that don't know, like, explain to them how you keep that mentality even in the areas where you faced adversity against the guy who's the champion? I mean, it's simple. They're, they're where they're at, and we are where we at. You know, it's a it's a, it's a different mindset. You know, it, it really is. You know, at the end of the day, it's uh, it's something that you need in, in, in anything. You know, if you want to be average, then you probably don't have it. You know, but if you want to be great, and then... There's greats, greater than greats, and then there's just legends, you know, and uh, that's the guys that you want to be above, and this is the mindset you need, you know. You ever you ever heard heard Kobe talk about someone better than him? You ever heard of Michael Jordan talk about somebody better than him, you know? You ever? Yeah. Yeah, and the list goes on. Did you ever hear DC talk about somebody being better than him? Come on, you know? What, Never. What's going on here? No. You know, you can't. It, once you start thinking like, oh, I think this guy's better than me, then... Like I said, why would I stay in this division if I didn't think I could beat the guy, you know? I, or or why not even retire? There's a bunch of stuff outside of UFC, you know, that I can do. And But I I still believe I'm here. I still believe I'm a, a, I'm in title contention. And I still believe I'm a champion, you know, just because uh, he got a belt around his waist. You know, I got five of them at home, you know, and I want to add to the collection. So, you know, first things first is Arnold Allen, and we'll go from there. Hey, I've been beat. I've been beat before. Like, nobody beat me more than the kid from Louisiana named Gilbert. He, that dude undefeated against me, but every time he started to beat me, I figured I was going to get him at some point. You know, I never gave up hope, Max. He was with me. Sometimes I would run from him. Sometimes I would stand up to him, but I never thought I was ever going to lose to that guy. And that is what ultimately allowed for me to do the things that I did, and that's what makes you so great, my guy. I will see you in Kansas City, Max. Good luck this Best weekend. Best of luck, brother. Uh, and thank you for thank coming you, on the show. Thank you, guys. You guys have a good one. My man. RC, Max Holloway has a champion's mindset, yeah. right? So I saw his facial expression change when that question was posed to him. How different is it as an athlete, right? For you, even as a guy that was on a team, was like, man, we beating the Ravens every time, even though they might have gotten you guys multiple times before. Yeah, I think you I think you have to feel that way and you have to believe it because they're not going to stop scheduling the games. They're not going to allow you a way out. And the only way out is to quit. The only way out is to retire, yep. is to not believe. And as long as you're stepping on that field or you're stepping inside of the octagon, you got to believe you got a shot to win. And not only that you have a shot to win, D.C., but that you will win. Those are two different things, right? Thinking that I have a chance and having the legitimate feeling that I will have my hand raised or that I will win on a scoreboard is the only way you become a champion. And like you said, Max Holloway has that championship 
mindset. He refuses to tap out. But I will say this. We're going to it now, though. We're about to get to it. We're going to tap in or tap out. What you got, Corporate Jake? I got the young Raul Rosas Jr. suffered his first loss this weekend at UFC 287. Still only 18 years of age. RC, tap in or tap out. This loss was good for Rosas' future. I tap in. I tap in because he's so young. And it also taught him so many things that you can't learn training. You can't learn of maybe starting at a pace that's too high. You can't learn having someone's back and not trying to inflict punishment and going straight for the submission and submissions only. You can't learn how to be calm when you face adversity unless you faced adversity inside of the octagon. And him being so young, he still has a chance to come back and he's learning these things at a professional level. So I tap in that this loss was good for him. I tap in that the loss was good for him because RC, it'll teach him humility. Um, this kid is confident at a level that not many people are. And like Aljo saying that, keep your head up. This game is a marathon, not a sprint. Let me know if you want to train again without the cameras, though. See how so Aljo's alluding to a story where Rosas's dad was was filming them. RC, I was in the fighter meeting and Rosas walked in there and told me. He threw Aljamain down so easily that he thought Aljo was a striker. He said he was going 30% on Aljamain Sterling, had no idea who he was. So it was a confidence, uh, youthful confidence, but it wasn't allowing him to be his true self. Sometimes you have to be humbled. And I think that fight will humble him, and it will allow for him, a kid who has so much talent and potential, to truly go to the levels that he needs to go to in order to be that guy that he perceived himself to be even before it was warranted. Corporate Jake. The latest inductee for the UFC Hall of Fame class of 2023 is the second fight between Robbie Lawler and Rory McDonald, a five-round war back at UFC 189 for the welterweight title. DC, tap in or tap out, Lawler-McDonald 2 is the greatest fight of all time. Uh, that's, a, that, that's a hard thing to ask if it's the greatest fight of all time, but... And so I, I tap in on it being on a very short very list. short. I mean, because I, when I remember that, what I remember about this fight, it had everything. I mean, it had the ebbs and flows of the technician outworking the workhorse and Robbie Lawler. It had Robbie Lawler just legitimately breaking him down over the course of 25 minutes to where at the end, Roy McDonald, his face was shattered so badly, he just Ryan, wrote it. that he got hit with a jab in the fifth round that he just sat down. He was like, this is crazy. What are we doing here? Like, this is not what we're supposed to be doing inside the octagon. He just went down. And the crazy thing about it is, you know when a fight is good and evenly matched is because the guys are never the same. And after that, we never saw Robbie Lawler be that guy again. And we definitely never saw Rory McDonald ever be that prodigy of a fighter that so many expected him to be. It was nuts, man. Yeah, that was I, one of I, the greatest fights. Yeah, I, I can't sure. tap in on it being the single best fight, but it's definitely up there. Here is what I'll say. If I ever meet somebody that tells me they want to be a mixed martial artist or they want to be the UFC champion, yeah, that's the fight I'll show them. I'll tell them, if you aren't willing to do this, don't step in the octagon because these dudes are different. What you got next, Corporate Jake? Okay, so while in Miami for hey, UFC. RC, wait, do you remember when Robbie spit the blood? Remember when Robbie spit the blood at him, bro? Whenever Different, he was, bro. Lip was like hanging off in the blood. Ooh, 
That was crazy. That was crazy. All right, guys, over the weekend, while in Miami for UFC 287, Joe Rogan captured this gem for us of Daniel Cormier. Okay. My man, DC, has never I've had ne sushi before. But you've never steered me wrong before, so I'm going to try this. All right, here we go. I might be steering you wrong right now. <laughs> oh, man. That's not bad. It's good. It's, not, it's really good. It's good. I took it like my son takes his medicine. <laughs> you just got to get over It was there. actually really good. RC, tap in or tap out on DC's sushi etiquette? <laughs> I tap in on DC's sushi etiquette because it was so DC. Who other than DC would eat sushi like a 11-year-old taking medicine? <laughs> I absolutely love this. And this is the Lafayette boy being taken to Miami and trying some new things. So I tap all the way in on it, DC. RC, RC, yeah, it was me. Dude, it was the first time I've ever ate anything raw in my entire life. It <laughs> was. You, you look it, so concerned. Was like, Why do you look so concerned? It was the highest. <laughs> it was the most high-end sushi you've ever had in your entire life. It was, it was like good. So it was good quality fish, but I've never had anything raw. So like the 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 texture of it and everything kind of threw me off. But in terms of the flavoring, it was pretty good. But I don't know if I would do it again. I I tried it. I, I mean, I tried it. Joe Joe will Joe will get you to do things that you don't do. Like he gave me like deer 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 sausage. This dude shows up to the fights with so many treats. Ryan he had like a, a roll of deer sausage that he ate that he killed. It was it was real good. So I was like. I guess I'll try you, the, uh, the sushi. Do you ever forget that Joe Rogan was the host of Fear Factor and the different things these people used to eat, DC? That was the nastiest show I have ever watched, bro. And people used to do that crap. And that's why, like, when, yeah. when Joe Rogan popped up in the UFC, I was, like, thinking to myself, that's the Fear Factor, dude. And so the fact that you allowed Joe Rogan to steer you towards any food lets me know that you have not learned enough. But DC, bro, it was so awesome to be back again this week after a great fight at 287. Yeah, it was great. Guys, get us everywhere you get your podcast every Tuesday on YouTube, ESPN2, everywhere you get your podcast on Midnight Eastern, ESPN2. RC, see you next week, my guy. Emmy, <laughs> Emmy nominated RC.